The following is a message by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. And please turn with me in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 4. We'll begin our reading at verse 12 and read down through Matthew 5, verse 12. Matthew 4, beginning at verse 12, let us hear God's own Word. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, he saw two other sons, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I'd call our attention this morning to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 in particular. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most famous parts of uh, Jesus' teaching. And um, the beginning of that sermon is particularly well known as a section called the Beatitudes, where Jesus pronounces a blessing on his disciples. And it's interesting how often preachers uh, and commentators, when they turn to the Beatitudes, uh, make of them immediately imperatives. As if, Jesus had said, you will be blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now that's probably a true statement as far as it goes. But it's not actually what Jesus said. And if we turn indicatives into imperatives, we may miss the point. I don't want to deny that there may be an implicit imperative here to be thought about, reflected on. But we miss the underlying point of the Sermon on the Mount, it seems to me, if we don't realize that in the first place, Jesus makes the point in this sermon that he has come to bless. He has come as the one who blesses. And the Beatitudes are a pronouncement of blessing on, I believe, different segments of Jesus' disciples. The first four Beatitudes, I think he is pronouncing a blessing on the needy. Blessed are those who mourn. I don't think when he says that, he says, now you all try to mourn harder so you'll be more blessed. He's saying, I know among my disciples are some who are grieving. And I want you to know you're not forgotten, but are blessed. So he's speaking a word of blessing to needy people. He's speaking words of blessing to the faithful among his people. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then he also pronounces a word of blessing on the suffering among his people. Jesus comes to bless. And we mustn't miss that point. It's maybe so obvious that it doesn't need to be pointed out to seminary students, but it's critical for us to see that. Here, whichever beatitude we look at, and particularly in the one we're looking at today, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The first point Jesus is making is that he's come to bless a people we are a blessed people as his disciples. We are a blessed people who have seen a great light. Those who dwell in darkness have seen a great light when they see Jesus. He's come to people who have dwelled in darkness. And he's brought the light of truth to them. We are a blessed people because we've heard the gospel. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that gospel is good news of blessing for people dead in sin. For whom Christ has come to make them alive. We are a blessed people because we've known the power of Jesus Christ. He is the one who heals the sick. Enables the paralytic to walk delivers the demon-possessed from demons. That's the power of our Lord Jesus Christ recorded for us in Scripture. And we can 
debate some amongst ourselves as to exactly how that power continues to be manifested today. I won't put on my sister Amy Semple McPherson hat today and make any sort of argument, but uh, whether uh, we believe this kind of power is available in the church today or not, we know it because it's recorded for us in Scripture. This is the character of our Savior. He comes with healing in his wings for his people. And we're a blessed people because we've followed that Messiah. Uh, He has said to each one of us, as he said to, to Peter and to Andrew and to James and to John, follow me. He said to you, follow me. And you're blessed because you followed. You belong to Jesus Christ. When he sat down to preach the Sermon on the Mount, you notice he he didn't preach it to the crowd. This is not an evangelistic sermon. Uh, This is a sermon for his disciples. And to his disciples, he says right at the beginning, you are a blessed people. That's the foundation for everything else that you do and think. You are a, a blessed people. I've come for you. I've come for you to be the light of your life. I've come to you to be the good news of your life. I've come to you to be the power of a new life. I've come to you that you might follow me. And so we gather this morning as a blessed people. And I believe we gather as a people who are blessed in hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You see, I I suspect, I hope, that in each of the hearts of those of us gathered here, there is that hunger for righteousness. And I suppose this is where it's legitimate to bring in an imperative. If you're not hungering for righteousness, you really ought to be. But I think Jesus is thinking, is assuming, is is knowing that, that those who are his disciples, who have who have followed him, who are sitting at his feet or looking expectantly to him, are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Righteousness, I think, not as an abstraction, but the righteousness that we find in Jesus Christ himself. The word righteousness is used in Matthew's gospel only once before we come to this beatitude, and that's back in chapter 3 when Jesus comes to be baptized by John, and uh, John um, discourages him, and Jesus says, um, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. He was baptized to identify with us in our sin and in our need. And then he withstood the temptations of the devil, didn't he? And he fulfilled all righteousness. And then as he continued to preach and talk about the law, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is our righteousness. He is the fulfiller of the law for us. He is the one who from the beginning of his life to the end of his life never violated the law of God, never wavered in his service to God. And God at every moment could pronounce upon Jesus Christ as he did at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There is righteousness. The son who was always faithful 
and obedient. He is our righteousness and we hunger for him that we might know him more fully and more completely, that we might comprehend the, the depths and the fullness of what he did for us in keeping the law in our place and in dying in the cross in our place. He is our righteousness. But he's our righteousness not only for our justification, but he's also our righteousness for our sanctification. We long, as his disciples, to be more holy, to be more like Christ, to be transformed. And so Jesus Christ came preaching repentance. The call to repentance is the call to sanctification. The call to repentance is the call to recognize our sinfulness and our continuing need to be growing in grace. He came as the one, as John prophesied, as the one who was able to give the Spirit of God to his people so that we might have a new life, that we might have the power of a new life within us. And so Jesus Christ is our righteousness also in our sanctification. He transforms us as a people. It's kind of intriguing that... um, when Jesus talks about the final judgment in Matthew 25, he notes that one day the righteous will say to him, when did we see you hungry? And when did we see you thirsty? And Jesus will say, as you did unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. These are a people who've been transformed, you see, by their hunger and thirsting for righteousness. They've become the righteous people of God who reach out to the hungry and the thirsty to minister to them. Jesus is our righteousness, and we are his people who who hunger for him. And I hope that's why you're here beginning a new semester of study. That you anticipate that in this semester of study, your hunger will be satisfied by your study of the word of God. That's our conviction here as a faculty. I hope it's your conviction as a student that the way we draw closer to Christ, that the way we move towards a fulfillment of our hunger for righteousness is at least in part by a study of his word. Because apart from the word, we don't know anything about Christ, do we? We don't know anything about what he's done for us. We don't know anything about justification or sanctification. You don't have to pick up very many books in very many bookshops to know there's a world full of people who don't know anything about justification or sanctification. The only way you can know that is by drawing close to Christ as he's revealed himself in his book, in the Holy Scriptures. That's why you're here studying, for for the sake of your souls, but also for the sake of the souls of many others to whom you will minister and teach and encourage. That's the importance of being here. That the hunger in our souls for righteousness, the righteousness as it is in Jesus Christ, might be satisfied. And so we're a blessed people with a blessed hunger, but also a blessed promise, aren't we? That we will be satisfied. There is a blessing on the hunger itself. We mustn't miss that in the Beatitudes. Jesus isn't just saying the hungry will be blessed with satisfaction. He's saying there is my blessing upon you even in that needy state of hunger. 
But there's also the blessing of the promise of satisfaction. And in this life, we begin to experience that satisfaction that comes from Jesus Christ, from knowing him, from knowing his word. And we're promised that one day, that hunger will be completely satisfied and removed. One day, we'll know him as he is. One day, we'll drink in an unpolluted way from the river that flows from the throne in the eternal city, where no accursed thing is, where there'll be no need to hunger for righteousness because we'll see the righteous one on his throne and we'll be like him, transformed and glorified. But until that day, we continue to hunger and Christ, day by day, through his word, satisfies us as we grow in him. And so may God grant to you in this semester of study both a hunger for righteousness and a growing sense that that hunger is satisfied in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. O Lord, our God, we thank and praise and bless you for calling us to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have heard in him the gospel and seen the light. And we pray, O Lord, that uh, we might indeed be a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so draw us in this semester of study, not just to, to fill our minds, but to draw us as disciples to the feet of the Savior, where we might feast as he teaches us, as he instructs us, as he gives to us his Holy Spirit, as he transforms us to be more and more like him. Fill us, O Lord, with joy in the work that is set before us. Uh, Fill us with joy as a people coming to a feast are filled with anticipation. And grant, O Lord, that we might draw closer to our Savior. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.